We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jesse, are you ready for rapid fire? Let's do it. Uh, well, let's just let's just kind of recap since we've got uh, a little bit um, different audience here than when we started the show. Gabe Rubio is the biggest news of the day. Rubio, defensive tackle for Notre Dame, defensive lineman, not enrolled in school for the spring. So, what what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that this is, first of all, it's an unfortunate situation because we've seen a lot of depth be successful along the defensive line for Notre Dame, having a lot of rotations in and out. Um, And Gabe Rubio is a solid backup to Howard Cross. And if Howard Cross would have decided to go to the NFL and not come back for another season, I think Notre Dame would be uh, in a tremendous world of hurt right now. But luckily, Howard Cross came back. I think Anya and Heinish um, are two quality guys behind him that have big opportunities to step up. And I really think that someone like Heinish is going to seize this opportunity just because it it runs in the family, you know, like his brother, I felt like Kurt always found a way to get himself on the field. And he, he he wasn't like a star, but it continued into the NFL. He's on, you know, he was on the Texans roster. didn't even get drafted. He was, you know, a practice squad guy that made his way up to the active roster. And I feel like Donovan's kind of the same way at Notre Dame. I think it's, uh, you're going to see a common trend. And I wouldn't be surprised if Donovan Heinish starts to get quality reps at the second string level. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest thing is literally the biggest thing, the size that Rubio has, because Gabe Rubio <laughs> is a guy who is 6'5 and 330 pounds. Like he is he is even much bigger than Howard Cross, who is still, you know, right around, you know, he's a couple biscuits shy of being 280 pounds even. And that's the thing that Notre Dame's defensive line is lacking right now is that that size slash strength. And that's what Gabe Rubio brought him when he was healthy last year, missed four games due to the knee injury that he had in the Navy game. But when he was out there, he was a really good, you know, run stopping, run plugging type guy who, as you said, you know, made the job of the linebackers much easier with his presence. So for the spring, what this means is opportunity for other guys, guys like, you know, the younger guys like Devin Houston and Armel Mukum and, you know, even the, the true incoming freshman, freshman, Sean Sevillano maybe gets a chance to, to show himself a little bit more this spring than he would have, you know, if Gabe Rubio would have been here, Jason Anye, who we saw really stand out last spring. So you hope that this is limited to this spring because he is not enrolled at Notre Dame for the spring. He is back home in St. Louis dealing with personal issues. So hopefully this is it. I think as Vince said at the start of the show, it's much better that it's now as opposed to at the end of July when you're getting ready for training camp. Hopefully it doesn't go that far because it could be you know, a big issue. But again, flipping this, there is another transfer portal window that will open at the end of spring. So as they assess all these guys and depending on what happens with Rubio, they would potentially have another opportunity to go back to the portal and pull somebody out of the portal if they decide they need to. Hopefully 
it doesn't come to that. And, you know, and I'm sure that there will be, you know, as much conversation or, you know, communication as, as, you know, Gabe Rubio wants, I'm sure that Marcus Freeman and his staff will be in there, you know, staying in contact with him, hoping that things work out for the long haul. Yeah. Just a couple more things. I feel like, you know, if Gabe Rubio does decide to potentially not be a part of the program next season, I think that the transfer portal is a very viable option and something that Notre Dame fans should feel comfortable about because Marcus Freeman has did a terrific job in the transfer portal the last two seasons, specifically this offseason. So I don't doubt that they would find anyone, but you don't want to replace someone like Rubio. Um, You know, you want your own guys. And, you know, as as an ex-player, I I would say that you you don't ever root for guys to leave the team, but – when you're a player amongst your position group decides to leave, there is an inkling of excitement because that means you get more opportunities and you're going to see more time. And so for people like Anya, Heinish, um, and some of those other guys you mentioned, mentioned, like you have to feel some sort of excitement because now you're just one step closer, right? There's one less thing kind of in your way of getting more potential playing time. And, and you know, it's just like on the flip side, anytime that you, we announced that we were getting some transfers. The last thing you wanted was to hear that a, a transfer was you don't want to your position. position. Right. Right. And so again, you're not rooting for anyone to be done, but when someone leaves in your position group, it's kind of, it's not, you know, again, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for some of these guys to step up now. Fill in the blank. Offensive lineman, Andrew Christoffic effectively retiring from football rather than, play his sixth season of eligibility is blank is a business decision because what makes the what in terms of business for Andrew Kristoffic what makes more sense the 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 potential of being a guy who plays you know probably a special teams only guy on extra point or, or punt or something like that be a, a quality backup to some of these younger guys that are up and coming on the depth chart or say listen I've done more than most people can say in the, in their life. I got to play college football. I got to play at one of the top programs in the country. I got to earn two degrees, and now I get to go start my life with those degrees that I've earned. So, you know, what made sense for business decisions for Christophic was getting his job started, starting making money, start his real, you know, real world. And if he would have came back, he just would have been delaying that an extra year. And so you thank someone for their service and say, you know, you know, we appreciate your time, but both sides are ready to move on. And I think it's it's a great business decision. Yeah. And that's, again, I liken it to what Braden Lindsay did last year. Lindsay could have come back for another year, but he decided that his football career was done. He retired and, and moved on and went into the business world himself. And that's effectively what Andrew Kristoffic is doing. And, and like we talked about earlier, when you look at where he was, in terms of all the the young talent that was you know that's that's there with those interior line positions between Pat Coogan at left guard and you got Sam Pendleton coming and then you got Rocco Spindler and Billy Shrouth over on the right side and Ashton Craig you know kind of leapfrogged him there in the middle at center when Craig got his opportunity after Christophic unfortunately got hurt when he came in that Clemson game so it it's just you know it becomes a numbers game, and they've got a, a lot of really good young talent. Hopefully it works out for him. But as you said, complete business decision. And you, you obviously wish him well, uh, Andrew Kristoffic, as he moves on. And I mean, he's got an undergrad from Notre Dame. He's got a master's degree from Notre Dame. He got to be part of a college football playoff team and, and a really you know winning, successful culture at Notre Dame in his time. So hopefully things work out for him as he moves on again he's uh going into financial planning so if uh if you're in the market for a financial planner you might just um find andrew christophic on his linkedin page and and reach (laughs) out to him and uh and get him started as he gets started down that road we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Notre Dame has at least one active player on each of the four remaining NFL playoff teams, two in the AFC, two in the NFC, two teams. Drew Tranquil with the Chiefs, Ronnie Stanley and Kyle Hamilton with the Ravens, Romeo Aquara and Brock Wright with the Lions, Aaron Banks with the 49ers. How significant is it that Notre Dame is guaranteed to have a Super Bowl champion this year? I so <laughs> I I don't think it's too significant. I think it's good that Notre Dame can 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 say that they're going to have, you know, alumni on a Super Bowl winning team. I think that's great, but I don't think it's super significant um in the grand scheme of thing or, or or the overall, you know, picture because listen, the USC's, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, the Georgias, like all those teams have someone out there that is probably a Super Bowl champion just about every season. Right. And so if you want to be in that upper echelon or that upper, you know, tier of college football programs, that's cranking out all Americans, draft picks, NFL players, et cetera. I just think you have, you, you have a known reputation. It's kind of almost expected at this point that if you looked at, you know, the roster of whoever wins the NFL championship, you would probably find at least one Alabama player, one Ohio state player, one Georgia player, and you you know, hopefully you could say Notre Dame as well. And so again, I think it's a great thing. I just don't think it's super significant in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it'll at least provide a good opportunity for Notre Dame social media. Right. Department. And that's what it's like. <laughs> yeah. And that person can probably come back to campus at some point wearing their Super Bowl ring. Maybe they're right. around some recruits and say, hey, yeah. you know, this is the path that I took. It involved Notre Dame and I became a Super Bowl champion. They'll show up some at some point, you know, like in the next couple of years at a home game. And just just like happens all the you know they'll they'll show up and and they'll do the ladies and gentlemen here's right Super you know, Bowl yeah Bowl Super champion. Bowl champion and he'll wave and he'll show his ring and they'll put him up on the big screen and you know and all that different kind of stuff you know but like it was it was funny because like this year you've got all these actual active players on the roster on each of them like last year remember they like Notre Dame's. They were working overtime to work the Ian Book angle, even though he was on the practice, you know, he's the number three quarterback on the practice squad, but it was like Ian Book, you know, playing for a Super Bowl championship and all that kind of stuff. He didn't even get to dress because he's the number three quarterback. By the way, did you know they changed they they changed that rule this year so that like the emergency number three quarterback can be dressed, you know, and and out there, you know, so like, Book, oh, I didn't know that book would have got to dress this year. And I wonder if he'll be dressing. Cause I saw someone he got signed to the chiefs. Yeah. He got signed to the chiefs a week ago. So like book is technically part of the chiefs as well. So, you know, again, he's not part of the active roster, but I believe he's on the practice squad anyway, right now. But yeah, I mean, it's been a couple of years. Ben Skoranek, remember he won one with right. the Rams the a couple Rams. years ago. Like, I don't know how many people actually, remember that but like tranquil was with the chargers last year so you know he wasn't with the chiefs this year but uh yeah so it'll be you know it's it's pretty cool like you said it's you know it's what you aspire to hopefully you keep cranking out more nfl guys and you'll have more guys on more rosters and it'll you know it's just like every year you'd have somebody let me ask you does it change your rooting interest at all like are you still rooting for the chiefs or you're like oh i'm gonna root for this team because this Notre Dame player 
was there, and I liked that player. He was one of my more favorite players. No, I don't think it changes. Like, if there was only, you know, like, that would be tough. You know, like, say it's the 49ers. I like, I, no matter <laughs> yeah, I'm not what, I'm for the 49ers no matter the 49ers. what. Yes, that's right. I'll, I'll definitely be pulling more for, you know, for the Lions and Brock Wright. And Ro- Even though Brock Wright, I guess, he got hurt. Did you see that? Like, Yeah, I did see that. So uh, they already signed Zach Ertz to their practice squad, and there's a chance that he'll take Wright's, you know, spot on the roster this week. And I, I still haven't heard how serious it is, but they said he was in a sling after the game the other day, unfortunately, but no, it wouldn't, you know, like, like I'm more for the chiefs than I'm for the Ravens. I think, you know, like I like Lamar Jackson, but I've just never really warmed to the Ravens that much. Obviously like Kyle Hamilton and Ronnie Stanley too, for that matter. But you know, like doesn't make me like in this, in this specific instance, especially it doesn't make me pull for, you know, any, any one team more than the other, I guess. I think it does for me. I'm a big Kyle Hamilton fan and I wouldn't mind seeing the Ravens, the Ravens win at all. Like I don't, I'm not saying I have anything against the chiefs, but you know, the chiefs have been there. The Ravens haven't been in a while. I like Lamar Jackson. I like the defense that the Ravens play. I like that. A lot of people doubted Kyle Hamilton and now he's an all pro and probably the one of the best, you know, uh, safeties overall in the league. And yeah. so rooting for, didn't take someone like, like that. Um, I looked up Brock Wright. He was diagnosed officially with a broken forearm. Yeah, a couple people, Father David and Sloppy Joe, both kind of slid that in there as well. That sucks, especially. Yeah, because he he was out the last couple of weeks with a hip injury as well. So he just yeah. came back and then he broke his forearm. Well, and Laporta, you know, is is the Lions' big guy. You know, he you can make a case that Laporta was the best tight end in the NFL this year. So Wright was getting completely overshadowed. You know, early on, even when he was playing, we had a guy in our fantasy league who was trying to trade us <laughs> Laporta for every, you know, imaginable, imaginable elite wide receiver all year long. And uh, he, he was also the same guy that I think had Andrews, Laporta and Ken Cade yeah. on his roster. So he got he got uh, he fell into some tight end luxury, but couldn't really move pieces around. Yeah, I will. I will pull pull for the Ravens if it ends up being Ravens, 49ers. But um, what if we get what if we get Chiefs and Lions? We opened up the season on a Thursday with Chiefs and Lions. What if we finish the season with Chiefs? That and would Lions? be crazy. I forgot that was the first game of the season and could potentially yeah. be the last game of the season. And the Lions snuck that game out. And I think that was Mahomes ugliest or second ugliest game depending on where you put that broncos game in the season i think overall did not play super well i am planning on being able to pull for the lions for the next couple games that's that's my plan to be able to pull for the lions Uh, in the nfc championship game i want to root for the lions so bad and i think i i I mean i do because i can't i'm not going to root for the 49ers but it hurts my soul because I have a really obnoxious friend that's uh, a Lions fan, and Michigan already yeah. won the championship. So I didn't know you and DK were that close. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think DK is a Michigan fan. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> okay, so Jim Harbaugh has made the rounds interviewing for NFL teams, and uh, as of right now. He is reportedly getting very close to becoming the Chargers' new head coach. It's getting down to some details in, in terms of what the staff will look like, what the, you know, the man, you know, like the general manager and, and all that different kind of stuff. So, but he's not gone yet. My question, though, scale of one to 10, how much do you think college football will miss Harbaugh if he does, in fact, end up back in the NFL? You know, this is, again, another tricky question because you look at one side of it and you look at, the appreciation that you have for Jim Harbaugh of, of X's and O's, the coaching standpoint, you know, his team's playing a certain way, his ability to come to a program, turn things around and that sort of situation. But then on the flip side of it, you can't help but get caught up in all of the kind of, you know, Jim Harbaugh activity, the, the scandalous, the, you know, the allegations, that sort of stuff. And it just reminds me so much of Pete Carroll after, you know, he got his job, he got it done at USC. He just rode off, you know, back to the NFL. And after, you know, all the stuff kind of went down with the, the Reggie Bush and, you know, other players. And so that's, that's kind of the similarity that I get 
when I think of Jim Harbaugh, like I'm, I think they will miss him in terms of being a really good coach and really good mind. Like he's a good offensive quarterback, runs a good team, you know, disciplined, tough, those sort of things. But again, at the same time, there's just that side of Jim Harbaugh that's dishonest. And you, and it's like, right. At times it's 10% dis- dishonest. Other times it's like 50% dishonest. And so I don't think you're going to miss him for those reasons. The lack of consistency in judging Jim Harbaugh's character, not his coaching ability, but his character, his coaching character. And I think that goes a long way at the end of the day. He's he's a slimy guy. He doesn't have good character. And it, it, it makes it I think it makes it harder to appreciate him, because if he were just a normal average kind of maybe below the radar type guy, you know, none of this would come up. And so. I think I think college football might be slightly relieved of having to not deal or listen to the drama around Harbaugh anymore, but still lose again that the great mind of of Harbaugh at the same time. Okay, you you made a lot of great points, and you you know like as you made them, I'm kind of sliding my number down because I had my number a little bit higher because I mean there's definitely especially like with Nick Saban leaving, there's there's already a void to fill like. It, it, to me, it 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 doesn't matter. You're like you need Notre Dame to be good because of the polarization, polarization. You need the Yankees. You need the Dallas Cowboys. You know, like those kind of high profile programs to be good. Even Michigan, even though it sucks, you know, like from a Notre Dame right. perspective. But you also need those polarizing personalities. I think and Saban fits that bill. Urban Meyer fit that bill. To an extent, Ryan Day fits that bill, even though, you know, like he lets his emotions get the best of him. Yeah, and there's much. there's like Harbaugh takes it to a different level. Deion Sanders definitely fits that bill. Lane Kiffin fits that, but you know, like those kind of guys, there's you know, they're 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 going to polarize, but they've also got at the very least, even though, even though, especially like if you're a Notre Dame fan or a Michigan State fan or an Ohio State fan, you know, those fan bases specifically, like you don't like Jim Harbaugh no matter what. You know, like like we're not going to miss the fact that, you know, like he hid depth charts or wouldn't release depth charts and you know, rosters and all that different kind of stuff, you know, just like he was constantly things. finding ways to find loopholes. Yes, just like little stupid things that shouldn't be an issue. It's that honestly like an lawyer issue. behavior, analyzing right. words and trying to get different interpretations and meanings out of it. Right. Played semantics with everything and right. tried to play, you know, like little word games with everything in the media. But like as someone who sits in the seat that I sit in, that's good for business. <laughs> you know, because, gives you something I mean, to talk about. Yes, that's exactly right. You know, so like I completely agree. Like all these stupid little things and the cheating, you know, that he'll never admit. You know, I mean, look, he was he was negotiating with Michigan on his contract there based on what, you know, if I stay, you've got to guarantee me that that it's not going to be one person who fires me, but it's going to be a committee of three who have to agree to, fight, you know, like those kind of things, right. like, you know, like all those little things. So we're, we're not going to miss the BS, you know, so I put it at a four just because as at the very least, as so, you know, someone who comes on here and talks about college football every day, Jim Harbaugh gave us plenty of different things to talk about. I mean, he left with a national championship as well. Again, like no one's gonna, you know, like no one besides Michigan is going to miss that, you know, don't, don't let the door hitch up on the way, you know, like, but he, he gave us things like climbing the tree and, you know, camping outside of, you know, recruits, you know, all that different stuff. So there's, um, there's a, like I said, there's a void to fill and very few people remaining right now in college football who can fill that. So just, just from that aspect, it'll be missed, but there's a lot of other BS that I don't think anyone is going to miss. So I think I put my number around a three or a four. Fill in the blank NFL teams. Speaking of coaching jobs, NFL teams tweeting announcements about interviewing head coaching candidates is blank is bizarre and i i i appreciate this question because i like i've been on twitter less recently but i have been seeing you know like the falcons for example being like we have conducted our interviews with such and such and i'm like have they always done this like why is this a new thing and how has it gained popularity like i mean i guess i appreciate it because it 
it makes it official, right? Like there's no more he said, she said, or rumors. If it, it's an official statement. You're not just relying on reports. It's coming right. straight from the horse's mouth. Right. Yeah. And so I do appreciate that aspect of it, but I just still find it kind of weird that we've entered the stage that they now have to do something like that at the end of the day. It's just, yeah. maybe it's just because of the, the, the newness to it. Um, but at, when I first saw it, I was just like, is this real? Like, is are they actually, you know, making this statement? So yeah, I just kind of found it interesting, but I appreciate the clarification that it gives. John says it's ridiculous. And I mean, you know, like, <laughs> think about it. Two of the, two of the vacancies that were tweeting the most, the Falcons, and the Chargers, Jim Harbaugh was interviewing for both of them. And you've got, you know, they're, you know, like they're tweeting about, hey, we just interviewed Bill Belichick. We just interviewed Jim Harbaugh. You know, so again, I like the transparency because you're not just kind of hiding behind murky waters and you're trying to be secret. Like if you're the fan base of one of those two teams, I, I would think you've got to like the fact that they're letting people know. Like if you're Jim Harbaugh, I guess it gives you a bargaining chip with Michigan at the very least. And, and like with other teams that you're interviewing with, because it's, it's public knowledge. It's out there. People know that you're interviewing. I did. I do find it very curious because like you said, this is a very recent phenomena. It's only within the last couple of years, this kind of stuff has started. So it's, again, I find it very interesting that NFL teams are actually willing to put it out there because typically They've tried to play cloak and dagger and not wanted to kind of let people know exactly who's coming in and out of the doors. Right. So according to Pro Football Talk, the Cowboys and Eagles each expressed interest in Bill Belichick to be their head coach. But Belichick did not reciprocate because he didn't want to deal with big market media. Now, Pro Football Talk, of course, is the, the Mike Florio site. So what do you think of this little uh, little new nugget that came out today about this? Um, I, in terms of the Cowboys, I find it to be quite speculative because I don't think the Cowboys ever shopped Bill Belichick. I think they were set on you know letting letting this whole situation expire. You don't think they you know even kicked the tire and you know like floated it you know through his. I don't think so, and I and I think. And I think it's kind of funny, too, that his reasoning was he wanted to avoid a big market when you can argue that Boston is one of the biggest sports media markets in the country. Just because you have relevance and success out of all of the sports teams there recently, like the Bruins have been good, the Celtics have been good, the Patriots have been good. Like Boston is a very large sports market. And so if well, he's that's saying just, that, just to answer I, what Michael Hahn is saying, he's saying Boston is a big media market. And that part of this report was, you know, Belichick had dealt with that for more than 20 right. years. And, and he so was that tired was tired of it. He he wanted to kind of get off the grid. You know, he want he wanted to be in coaching, but he didn't want to have to deal, you know, with that kind of media scene. Yeah, again. I don't think he wanted the microscope of why he's making every decision. I think he just wants to crawl into a cave coach football and have no one ask him why he's doing the things that he's doing. And so that makes sense because he's done it for such a long time in a big market. It can, it would make sense that he'd want to go somewhere with a smaller market that doesn't have quite as big as ex expectations. And so everything that he's, he does, he seemed to be kind of like this godlike figure because he's just fixing everything and they're now getting better. And now we're, you know, on the cusp of this right. and that again, I think he just wants to crawl into a cave, have no one ask him any questions, and he just coach football. Like that's the ideal situation to him. I just don't believe that the Eagles and Cowboys ultimately reached out to him. I think they made their decisions a while ago that they were going to stick with whatever that they had. Yeah, you know, I do find it, you know, I, I think it's a little naive, I think probably if that's Belichick's, you know, thing. You know, obviously. You know, like Michael's New York, Boston, Dallas, Philly. You know, those are some of the toughest media markets, I think, when it comes to, you know, their sports teams and stuff like that. But I'll just, you know, like, I've just kind of been in this daze for the last week and a half, <laughs> you know, since, since the whole thing ended to the Packers. And it's like this derma days i think you know it's been going on for like what 27 28 years now whatever it is and it's like i flipped on a seinfeld episode 
the other day, and it's the one where, you know, Jerry and George are obviously sitting, you know, in the diner almost all the time. But Jerry goes, what are we doing with our lives? What kind of lives are these? We're pathetic. <laughs> Why can't we be normal? And that's, you know, that's like, it's how I feel supporting a Jerry Jones-backed team, you know, like our Jerry Jones-owned team. What are we doing? You know, we're not men. We're pathetic. <laughs> what are we doing here? You know, so maybe it's maybe it's time I just move on from this. You know, I'm thinking about throwing the names of teams into a hat and just like drawing a random name out of the hat. I'll pick a new team that doesn't have anything to do with Jerry Jones. What do you think? <laughs> I think you'd have to remove a couple of teams out of there, like the 49ers, well, yeah. the Raiders. Within within reason. And like all of like the a, NFC East is ineligible. Yeah, definitely no NFC East. Maybe just go like Cleveland Browns. Like the Browns have never won anything. Just jump <laughs> on that. Well, you know, you could always you, – you have a place to stay if there's any games that you'd like to come see as a part of your new – your new fandom. It's true. If the Titans were to adopt the old, you know, like the Oilers color, full color scheme and uniform, you know, like without the, the oil derricks on the side, but you know, went everything. Oh my God, Michael Parks. I might have to ban you from the show <laughs> for even <laughs> suggesting Steelers. That is like the original. No, no. Uh, yeah. But like the Oilers, not the Oilers, the Titans now, like if they adopted the old Oilers uniform. Let me ask you something, though, because this whole conversation is all about, you know, not only have the, have the Cowboys not won a Super Bowl since, uh, what was it, 96, they've even been to an NFC championship since 96. Okay, we know that, right? But let right. me phrase this. To, let we me put something. We definitely know that. <laughs> let, me, let me put something else into perspective for you. The Cowboys – have won a Super Bowl more recently than the 49ers. Yet the 49ers since 95 have been to seven NFC championships but haven't won a Super Bowl. And they've been to a, a couple Super Bowls. And they've been to a couple well. Super Bowls. So what is no. more ultimately more excruciating, the fact that you don't have a Super Bowl uh, in closer proximity than your probably biggest rivals of the Cowboys and Steelers, yet you've been to seven of them right on the cusp. You've been to – two Super Bowls, but you haven't quite got the, the, you know, you're right on the edge consistently. So like with the Cowboys, they're not close to the edge. They break our hearts early, but with the 49ers, <laughs> they get deeper. They get right to the edge, but ultimately fall short. Like that's why I get so mad about the argument of, well, we've been to NFC championships and we've been to Super Bowls. Well, okay, that's cool, but you're just the first or second loser at the end of the day. It all, it, it ultimately comes down to, but wouldn't you, you at least or not, did you win it, it you or know, not? We were kind of touching on this yesterday with how the college, you know, going to a 12-team playoff is going to change, what, you know, how you sort of think about a season. You know, At some point, there's going to be a team, you know, like let's say it's Penn State, for example, because Penn State in a 12-team format would have been the most consistent. Every year they're there team to be in right they'd be in but would they actually go anywhere right you that's, that's so kind like, of what i'm getting at, at some like... point at some point you know like even if they had been getting in but not going anywhere their fans would get sick of it at, at some point it's going to completely skew your expectations and and how you feel like it's it's not going to be good enough at some point and that's exactly how it is but you know, like I get what you're saying. I would still rather get to a Super Bowl because at least you've accomplished something by getting to the Super Bowl. Right. You know, like in the Cowboys instance, they haven't even got to the freaking NFC championship game, let alone a Super Bowl. They, they choke before they even get there. And that's yeah. what's – and it's – I don't want to go down that road yet. I mean, the Bills are, are are the new one as well. But again, I the mean, Bills – everyone will, talks the about Bills will, The Bills and Josh Allen will never get the criticism. That's what I was just getting ready to say. The, the Cowboys and Bills are pretty much identical, and Dak and Josh Allen are pretty much identical, but you have Dan Orlovsky telling you why Josh Allen should still be MVP and why Dak belongs in a dumpster, but they're pretty much right. identical franchises the last 10, 20 years. Well, you know, on the other side of this is I'm really curious to see how this Chiefs-Ravens AFC championship game goes because the Ravens have not fared well in the playoffs – Right with Lamar, you know, with the Lamar Jackson the iteration, right? And it's yeah, it everything, but with that offense and with that quarterback, it is very specific. You're just you just nailed it. Like you've got to get off to a good start, 
or else if you're trying to play catch up as the Ravens, that's when they have bowed out of the playoffs really early. Well, and I think a lot of people want to give praise to Lamar Jackson this season, and rightfully so. He's he's a he's a tremendous quarterback. He's been great. But look yeah. at their best games. Their def they have one of they have a historical defense in terms of like when they beat the 49ers, it wasn't on the back of Lamar Jackson. It was on the back of the defense that got four interceptions off of Brock Purdy, right? And so that's the thing is if you couple the defense not getting stops and Lamar Jackson-led offense stumbling out of the gate, they're going to run into a lot of issues. And so that's the biggest matchup, in my opinion, this weekend is the Chiefs have a better defense than usual. What can they do to the Ravens' offense? The Chiefs' de- offense isn't as good as usual going against a really good Ravens' defense. So how do those two kind of things pair with each other? And I think the biggest news in the 49ers game is the fact that Debo Samuel could be out because he creates a mm-hmm. lot of spacing. He's a lot of design that goes into the to the Kyle Shanahan offense. And, you know, I was tell, texting my buddy, I was like, you have a chance if Debo doesn't play. And the, 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 the code has to be, how do we crack Kyle Shanahan? It's not about cracking Brock Purdy. It's cracking what, what are Kyle Shanahan's intentions with Debo Samuel being out? How is he trying to create space? And I think it would have to do a lot with Christian McCaffrey. So you shut down Christian McCaffrey and the Lions have a chance. So I, I think both of these games are actually going to end up being really interesting this week. I think we have a good final four of teams of well-led, well-disciplined, hard. You know, like I, I just think these are going to be good football games. Chief Brody says Lions over Cow, you know, better than Cowboys. I mean, they are right now. I wish I would have jumped. I mean, you if know, you – if the I Cowboys should have just had, ditched the Cowboys last year and, and gone with – I, I think you can make an honest statement that the Cowboys have more talent on their roster. And if they swapped coaches and had Dan Campbell, they could potentially be in the same situation right there. Yeah. They need what Dan Campbell brings. Just matter of fact, toughness, you know, right. That's discipline. That's what toughness and discipline. That's Nothing is given. It all has to be earned, but Jerry yeah. Jones just gives everything to this, to his players and you know, all that stuff. TD four ND says the show is biased. For the Cowboys, I mean, eh, you know, I don't know, for the Cowboys, we're very anti-Cowboy right now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TD4ND also wants to know any news on when Olivia Miles will be back. I know she wants to be back. Here's the thing with Olivia Miles that, that I think she has to kind of start weighing that I'm sure she one she hasn't been cleared to return. You know that's that's the biggest thing. Um, so she, you know that that obstacle has to be cleared first. From what I understand, she has not been cleared to return. But then you have 12 games remaining in the regular season, I believe it is as of right now. And then you've got you know you would have ACC tournament, NCAA tournament after that. You know so that'll be if she's cleared to play. You know what she has to to weigh then is is it worth a year of eligibility for whatever x amount of games is remaining in the end or do you just you know not risk anything and just say hey you know medical red shirt this year and roll it into next year when you would have just about everybody coming back next year you know a couple decisions on you know who might stay who might go and all that kind of stuff but as of right now no more progress. So Jesse, every year, the website Awful Announcing does a fan survey on their favorite NFL announcing teams, like the guys who call the NFL games. So there are 17 crews in total. I'm not going to go through all 17. The Fox crew of Chris Myers and Robert Smith came in 17th, though. Here is a quick, some of the I think I've got the top nine here. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman voted number one by fans. Ian Eagle, Charles Davis voted number two. Kevin Harlan and Trent Green, third. Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, 
The uh, number one Fox team was voted fourth. Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth from NBC voted fifth. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, CBS's number one crew, voted sixth in this fan survey. Joe Davis and Daryl Moose Johnson from Fox are number seven. Kevin Kugler and the Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, voted eighth. And then Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet, the Amazon broadcast crew, voted number ninth. This is according to a fan vote, the website Awful Announcing. So, Jesse, why do you think Jim Nance and Tony Romo have fallen so far? They were number one for three years in a row, then they fell off a little bit last year. Now they're all the way down to number six this year. Why do you think they've fallen off in such dramatic time in terms of popularity with the fans? I think the Romo hype is uh, worn off and taken its course on a lot of people. I think when they first started, everyone loved and appreciated Romo, but I think it's fallen off and people have, have, are quite literally kind of getting annoyed of him. I have friends tell me that they will mute the game when Tony Romo is doing the game because they just don't want to hear all of it. And then I had a friend uh, or a coworker, and she's a big Buffalo Bills fan, and she just kept finding it cringy that – he always finds a way to make comments about the Taylor Swift situation when doing Chiefs games. And so I just think But doesn't everyone don't don't all the announcers find some way to make I mean they keep showing Taylor Swift. What are the announcers supposed to do? You know? Like I don't know. Yeah. And so I you know, I don't I don't personally agree. I don't find anything wrong with Tony Romo. I just think that's what would explain it is that it's just worn off on a lot of people. And as what used to be new and exciting is just now kind of common and annoying and I think that's kind of led to their downfall and you know it, it's funny that you that Ian Eagle is on the list uh up so highly because I was like Ian Eagle oh yeah I like him and, and uh Blackledge and then I was like oh wait that's Noah Eagle that does the games with Blackledge and I, yeah. I I like them a lot I think that Eagle and Blackledge are really quality and I think that Eagle and um what's his name uh Charles Charles, Charles Davis Charles Davis, also very quality. I, I very much uh, enjoy listening to them. And <laughs> every time I listen to them, I'm like, oh, these are the guys who do the NFL. You know, they get to they do the PlayStation games and stuff like they they do the commentary on that kind of stuff. And I think that it's they're they're chosen for a reason. Right. Like, I, I, I just enjoy listening to them. Yeah, I, I to me, it's shocking that one of basically what's considered the, you know, the five top broadcast crew, like finds itself, you know, Nance and Romo. Cause like when Romo came in again, the fans voted him number six this year. They're the number one CBS crew, two other CBS crews, the Ian Eagle, Charles Davis and the Kevin Harlan, Trent green, both came in well ahead of Nance and Romo. And like when, when, when Romo, burst on the scene when he replaced Phil Sims in the booth, he was kind of seen as, as sort of revitalizing Jim Nance. And, you know, it was, it was obviously much different. What's that? Gosh, it's already been like what, six, six years ago, something like that, 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 that happened. But, you know, again, like he revived to me though. And I want after this came out today on NFL network, I, I actually watched a little bit, of that, you know, they were re-showing the Bills-Chiefs game from the other day. It's funny you brought that one up. I mean, Romo, you know, he still has some good points, and he explains things well. He doesn't come across, though, as the guy who is doing deep preparation on a lot of these games. And I don't know if maybe that's what it's missing or just the fact, like, he it, he appears to kind of want to wing it a lot. You know, well, it seems like he's trusting his knowledge, right? That can get him through a lot of things, right? You know, so I don't know if that's it or if it's just the fact that, kind of like you said, that we've kind of reached Romo fatigue, I think, and just the fact that you can't stay popular forever because the whole thing has really swung, you know, because like Buck and Aikman used to be fairly criticized, but they're sitting there at number one in this thing. And maybe it's because Buck's not doing baseball anymore. I don't know. I think it's funny. What do you think about Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet being so low all the way down at number nine on this? Um, I, <laughs> I'm going to be unapologetic about this. I think it's funny. I am not a big fan of Kirk uh, Herbstreet at the NFL level. I, I, I tolerate him in the college level. I think he's good at his <laughs> job. I just, I, I'm just not a personal fan. Like, 
I don't love Kirk Herbstreet games. And I, again, I think it's I mean, a lot of people of, don't. A lot of people don't. I, I think and, it's a matter of opinion. I don't dislike him, but I don't like I'm not in, excited to listen to a game like I would be if it was Noah Eagle and Blackledge. I enjoyed that experience more than I enjoy the curb, the Herb Street experience. And then when you combine Al Michaels being the old get off my lawn kind of grandpa the last couple seasons, I just don't think that or sorry, I'm not surprised that the combination isn't pulling or doing well. And then, you know, you combine that with their on a novelty kind of streaming service of Amazon. Not everyone has Amazon. And so, you know, you're watching on limited capacity. And I think that also contributes to it as well. I've told you before that like it's it's one of the more dull broadcasts I feel like and for a standalone broadcast every week I think that you need a little you know Al Michaels is arguably the best TV play-by-play guy ever but that's not what that broadcast is right now and I feel like when I when I watch Herb Street in a Thursday NFL game compared to a Saturday night primetime game it's two different Kirk Herb streets. There's a lot more enthusiasm, it seems like, for a Saturday game. There's there's obviously a different level of atmosphere for a Saturday, you know, big time atmosphere college football game in that kind. Of, but it, it feels like he's sort of like bringing his his level down to sort of match Al Michaels because Al Michaels has been there. So, you know, like he's not, you know, not that he's not trying to show him up, but just that he's trying to match that that level there. Like that Thursday night booth needs some punching up. Like I would be going after Jason Kelsey. I think it, you know, like if 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 I were them, as he steps, you know, like off the field and and into retirement. That you know, like the Eagle booth that you brought up, the like the Noah Eagle Todd Blackledge, that could very easily be a standalone. You know, like this. You know, that level Thursday night type broadcast booth. I don't know if NBC would let them, you know, since they're already working for NBC and all that kind of stuff. But that would be something at least worth looking at because, you know, they got to do that one NFL playoff game. They, that was a really good booth. I was impressed with, with what they were able to do, you know, with, with only getting the, the one NFL game this season. Yeah, I agree. So Fowler Herb Street, they're basically college football's number one booth. Is that your favorite booth? Like what is, what is your favorite college football booth? (laughs) I think I already said it. I I like the Noah Eagle um, and and Blackledge game. He did a, they did a Notre Dame game um, at some point. I can't, it was a road game. I can't remember which one it was. Um, I'm trying to, I, (laughs) I like Gus Johnson and Joel Clapp more than I like uh, Herb Street and Fowler. Um, I like, I used to like the Notre Dame booth better than that when, um, <laughs> when Tariko Mike Tariko was, was still around, yeah, when Tariko was still around. I don't, I like, it's, <laughs> I, I still think that Herb Street and them are better than the Jason Garrett booth. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'm trying to think of, and then what's the big, uh, it, CBS crew, um, Nansen, what is no not Nance? It's um Musgrave and someone else, right? Gary Danielson and um, why is his name slipping me right now? I can see his face and I can hear his his voice, but I can't think of his name. The one I like is basically uh, the number two ESPN booth is Sean McDonough and Greg McElroy. And that yeah, I like that one uh, more than I like the the first stringers as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Josh says he didn't care for Noah. Eagle, you know, I feel like Noah Eagle, especially for as young as he is, is re- Brad Nestler. Thank you, Michael Hunt. Brad Nestler and Gary Danielson. I think they're solid. Um, I would still yeah. take them over Herb Street and Fowler. Yeah, I just Fowler just doesn't have that. You know, look, like feels like he's talking to talk at some points. Yeah, and it's he he doesn't have that. This is a big time game feel to his voice. You know, that's that's what it comes down to to me. Like. Sean McDonough has called World Series. He's called a lot of big games in his career, and he's been around for a long time. You know, he always gets basically, you know, the last few years, he's got that number two college football playoff semifinal. Fowler and Herb Street get one. McDonough has got the other. And I think McDonough's been around. You know, like, it's a shame that, I mean, from like from Kevin Harlan's perspective, 
you know, he's done great where he's at, but like because of his enthusiasm level and excitement level, to me, he's built for for college football and would be, uh, you know, again, like a great standalone college football type game guy. But he's doing very well at CBS between the NFL and NBA, and he gets to call Super Bowls on the radio for Westwood One and and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, again, like in this awful announcing fan survey, <laughs> Harlan and Eagle, I and Eagle, were both voted ahead of Nance and Romo. So it's very, very interesting just what fans prefer. And, they, you know, they did this whole voting thing. So I don't know. But I agree. Like Fowler Herb Street would not be my number one. I, I, I don't have as much a problem with Fowler as the college football analyst, I think, as you do. I think he's, you know, I think he he does a, a good enough job. But, like, from the NFL side, I don't think that that is working the way they, I think that they thought it would. All right, well, that is going to do it for tonight. Appreciate you being here. We will, of course, be back tomorrow. So we look forward to that. We will talk to you then. Hit that like button before you leave tonight. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And we will talk to you later on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.